0: We were so busy adjusting, so mental health wasn't a thing in our mind or even um, the vocabulary itself. Nobody mentioned anything about mental health. All we could think about was how hard it is to learn the language how hard it is to learn the different culture, how different it is what, you know, the way of doing things, how different it is. So we were just thinking that once we learn the language, once we settle down with a new culture, you know, all these the hardships and difficulties it might go away, that was our hope. But, you know, it's not really
1: that way. Hello, and welcome back to the Teen Health Matters podcast. Teen Health Matters is a project of the Behavioral Health Bureau at the Howard County Health Department, designed to connect you, your friends, and your family with information that best addresses all things teen health related. You can find our previous episodes, as well as additional resources on health and well-being at teenhealthmatters.org. My name is Mia Choi, and I'm one of the behavioral health interns at the Howard County Health Department. I'm joined today by my co-host, Trisha Tomsey and our guests, Alexandra Kim and Sonia Sue. With a growing need for mental health care in a world with
2: limited resources, accessibility is a problem that many of us face. It's difficult to know where to turn or how to start, but Alexandra and Sonia are here to walk us through this experience. To kick off our conversation today, Alexandra, would you share a bit about your experience when it comes to obtaining mental health care as an Asian American? Sure. Hi, um, my name is Alexandra Kim. I came to the States when I was 19.
0: And as an immigrant, I have stories of going through culture shocks, identity crisis, all different kinds of things. And now I have two teenagers and a tweener of my own. And then somehow it feels like I am reliving those days again because my kids are going through the hardships. As an Asian American, especially looking back the days that I was, the first years of uh, me being in the States, we were so busy adjusting. So mental health wasn't a thing in our mind or even um, the vocabulary itself. Nobody mentioned anything about mental health. All we could think about was how hard it is to learn the language how hard it is to learn the different culture, how different it is what, you know, the way of doing things, how different it is. So we were just thinking that once we learn the language, once we settle down with a new culture, you know, all these the hardships and difficulties it might go away. That was our hope. But, you know, it's not really that way. So, you know, teen mental health means a lot to me, and I know that how um, important it is. And that's why I'm trying to advocate as much as possible so that the whole family members could understand the need for mental health care is real.
1: Thank you for sharing. Sonia, would you also share a bit about your experience when it comes to obtaining mental health care as an Asian American?
3: Yes, so I can definitely relate to what Alexandra just shared. I myself am a daughter of Chinese immigrants, and so, you know, growing up, Mental health was definitely not a serious issue or an issue at all that was really discussed or talked about. Instead, it was the typical markers of what they thought was success, which is essentially school academics, finding a good career, things like that. And even then, they were too busy to really even have real conversations about really any of that. So you can imagine, you know, mental health was definitely not a priority, even though I definitely think that I would have benefited from, you know, seeking that help, actually, especially as a daughter of immigrants and having to deal with such unique issues that other children just simply didn't have to deal with or even think about. And now as a 28 year old, I myself actually just recently found therapist and think that it has truly been so extremely helpful and it definitely took a while to actually even find. And so I think that's something where, you know, if anyone does want to find a therapist or just seek out that help, definitely definitely. I want to say that it takes time because people say finding one is kind of like dating. You just have to find the one that you match with and you vibe with and who understands your point of view. And it literally, for me, for example, it took me over a year to actually find the one that I have now. And she is half Asian. And I think that's actually helps a lot to also just be able to know that maybe she can relate a little bit. So that's my experience.
2: Thank you so much for your insight, Sonia. Now, I remember both you and Alexandra have kind of mentioned how your family's culture is a bit different from your own. And now, Alexandra, this question is kind of targeted towards you. Does your outlook on receiving mental health care differ like intergenerationally between your family members? And if it does, why do you think that is?
0: Generally speaking, the younger generation has better understanding of what mental health is, and they are taught and heard that seeking mental health care has nothing to do with stigma. But at the same time, you know, we all learn from watching the older generation. Of course, we study or we uh, read, but, you know, when when it comes for us to make decisions, we automatically goes back to what our parents did so if the parents were reluctant to the idea of getting mental health no matter how well educated you are you will still have hard time saying that I need someone I need help I need I need someone professional to help me you will have a hard time admitting it saying it and searching for the right person because like Sonia said it's not easy it's it's, She put it exactly the way it, how it it really is. It's like uh, finding someone that you can uh, relate to, you can click to almost. So uh, it's just a long process. And when the first counselor does not work out, you will get really depressed even more and thinking that maybe that wasn't the right path that I should, um, you know, travel down to. I want to say, don't stop there. Just find another person, (laughs) you know? Admitting that I need, come on, admitting is not really a good word. (laughs) Well, acknowledging that I need help and finding the help, it's it's a journey. So um, no matter how well you think you're prepared in seeking professional help, you have to stay strong. And then uh, that is why I'm trying very hard to let the older generation They also need to change their way of thinking, and they also need to show the younger generation that, you know, seeking professional help is totally recommended and totally needed. We all need to work at this together. Um, Asian American communities just has a lot to catch up in the field of mental health.
1: So do you think this has an impact on an individual's willingness to reach out for help after seeing the viewpoint from your parents or grandparents? Sonia? That's a great question.
3: I think it honestly depends because I'm sure there is an impact for some people. But for me, I mean, if I went along with their viewpoint, obviously, I wouldn't even have a therapist at this point, I would just think basically, you know, if I have an issue, I should just deal with it. I should just, you know, talk about it with my own family or with my own friends or try to deal with it that way. Because I really do think, especially in Asia, there is that stigma of getting help. And for example, just personally, I know people may need support and need therapy, but because maybe their, their native language isn't, you know, English, they don't feel comfortable going to therapy. And even if there is an option of finding someone who speaks the language Just the fact of having to share some like personal information, but like family matters or fights with another stranger is a barrier in itself as well. And something that, you know, culturally, maybe they think that doesn't really seem, you know, necessary. Like how can a stranger understand your own situation and things like that? So I think that's the viewpoint that I get most often or feel most often from not only my parents, but just like people whose first language may not be English and whether they're older or younger, actually, it's just the idea of Having to share personal information with a stranger and like the idea that, oh, maybe they can actually help is just something that is not really that well accepted, at least from the people that I know. So, yeah, I do think it does have an impact. But at the same time, you know, things are changing. Times are changing. And that's something hopeful, actually, I think that, you know, people, despite all of these stigmas or traditions or thoughts, we are still able to kind of, you know, do our own thing and just change and get help that we need.
2: Yeah, I totally empathize with that, Sonia. And I was wondering that what would you guys recommend for others in a similar situation who can also empathize with this kind of discontinuity between, you know, family members or intergenerationally, especially when nobody in like a family understands the struggles that the person is going through. And who do you think they should like talk to or reach out to or get in touch with?
0: When you... Anyone, yeah, young or old or men or women, if anyone feels that they need any kind of help, sometimes, you know, you feel like I just need to talk to someone or I just want to have a nice lunch with someone or anything, you know, I want to send out a um, clear message that you should You should not limit yourself, even if you are faced with unkind response or, oh, that's not even a problem or, oh, you know, everybody goes through with it, you know, just deal with it. If you are faced with those reactions, don't get hurt. Don't stop there. No one is perfect. And, um, you know, we tend to ask help to someone who we think that you know, wiser than us and older than us, more experienced than us, you know, because that's what, that's what we were taught. You know, if you don't know someone, you have to ask someone who knows something, right? But I I want everybody, even myself, I want everybody to remember just because the other person has uh, more experience or more knowledge than I do does not mean that uh, that person is equipped to help me. It's a, it's just totally different thing, you know? So I don't want anyone to stop or limit yourself in finding help. If someone does not work, if your parents does not work, if your parent has no idea what you're talking about, go to teachers if they have no idea. If they don't pay attention, go to religious readers. Or if that's that's too much, if, if you feel that, you know, going to pastors or religious leaders, you know, they're just, you know, Talk to my parents and my parents will find out and they're going to be mad. If that's how you feel, find somebody else. Just look far and wide and maybe you could talk to some of your friends or someone you just, you don't really know well, but you know, if you feel like that looks like someone who could, you know, listen to me and who could understand, um, you know, what I'm saying, you know, just give yourself some chances, a lot of chances. Do not limit your chances. Don't draw any kind of boundaries. It's not about them. It's your life. You're concerned about your life. You know, it's it's great that you established that you need some help. Good job. It's really important first step. And then you just have to move on and go beyond the first step and really um, looking for help and trying to find a ways to talk to someone. I really encourage everybody to do that.
1: Sonia, have you ever felt that your race deterred you from receiving adequate help? For example, having a non-Asian therapist or a counselor that cannot relate to your experiences in the same way that one understands your cultural background?
3: Yes. So this is another quick question because I feel like you can plug in, you know, the second half, like from receiving adequate help with like anything as an Asian American growing up in the US, unfortunately. <laughs> Has your race, you know, deterred you or prevented you or done anything, affected you in any way? And it's, you know, when it comes to mental health, yes, I think so, but of course you never know. And I just think that because, you know, of this identity of being Asian American, you just have to be even more hyper-aware sometimes of like why things are the way they are or why certain situations happen. And so when it comes to, Finding a therapist, it's why I, you know, it took me so long. It's just because I really had to think, like, does this therapist work for me? And, you know, it definitely took that time and just to figure out myself, like, what do I need? What do I want? And does this satisfy, you know, those needs and wants? So, yeah, in a way, even when it comes to mental health, or especially when it comes to mental health, just knowing that I had this. Somewhat unique identity and background, and these experiences, you know, ended up resulting in just taking a little extra time finding the help that I need.
2: Yeah, thank you for sharing your experience with that, Sonia. Now I'm going to shift it to Alexandra. Are there any barriers that made it difficult for you to ask or receive mental health care? It could be related to race or something else entirely.
0: Definitely, language is the first. Yeah, the language, and then after I was able to speak the language, then comes the communication skills. And I feel like, just like all the other skills, communication skills also need to be horned and, you know, practiced to get better. Because, you know, you know, many times I feel like we're speaking the same language, but we're not understanding each other. That could be a big, barrier it could be because of the the other person does not understand culture but at the same time it could be because I just do not know how to express myself because many times you say one thing and it's perceived as the other those things just you know communication needs skills because it, it needs to be both ways you really need to listen and understand and then at the same time you know the in-person interaction, you know, you, you pick up a lot of clues. You know, you, like I said, you say one thing, but you mean the other. And then you can catch it by looking at their eyes or their hand gesture, whatever. So to receive effective care and help, you need to be able, be able to communicate well with the counselor. Because if the counselor does not exactly understand what you're going through, the advice that I'm receiving might not really um, help me uh, resolve the real problem. So even the language is there, I want everybody to understand we need, a, you know, two person, you know, me or the counselor or parents or the students, who, whoever are involved in the process of getting help, they all need to give each other some time to get used to each other and then realize that, you know, even the common words, you know, in one family, these words or phrases mean this and it could well, means something else on the other family. So we all need to give each other a room and time to understand, oh, I really understand that person when she says that. That needs to be established. Otherwise, it could be barriers.
1: On that note, how do you deal with family members that disapprove of mental health treatment? So luckily, I haven't really had family
3: that really necessarily openly disapprove, or at least like just deny the benefits of therapy, really. But maybe for themselves, yes, maybe they don't want therapy for themselves, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to tell you not to do therapy, especially, for example, I'm currently in therapy. So I think when it comes to these situations where maybe perhaps if someone doesn't have that family support and would like it or just at least not openly have open disapproval from someone. Honestly, just get the help you need. (laughs) I mean, if someone's going to disapprove and you need help, just ignore them. Like if anything, the fact that you have acknowledged that you either need treatment or are seeking it, then it's already such an incredible milestone. And this is medical care. It's something that you need and you know, if it's not right for them, then that's fine. But I think it's just about, you know, really
2: just sticking to your guns and getting what you need. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Family support can also definitely be an effective way for some people to deal with their mental health because all families are different. So Alexandra, do you have any like ways to share experiences with mental health struggles with family members? Any tips?
0: Family is... Family
2: is great, right? But family, at the same time, family could
0: be miserable. And then for young people, like sons and daughters, to share mental health need or break the idea of, you know, need for mental health to the parents, it could be very hard. It could be very difficult just because the adults in the family are caregivers. When the sons and daughters come to them and say that, hey, mom, I need mental health. It could very well be received as a blame or even a tech. Mom, you're not doing a good job of raising me. I need help. And then it's not going to go anywhere if that's established, if that fear or defensiveness is established, it's not really going to go well. But, you know, the funny thing is that if the youth, the sons and daughters, if they are They're smart enough or well-informed enough to realize that the parents might receive this in the wrong way or parents might receive it as an attack. If the the youth can figure it out, they don't need their parents' help. You know, they they are already so far advanced than the uh, parents' understanding of mental health. And that doesn't happen in a family. We all need help. Everyone... I believe, I really believe that everyone struggles in a family, they always try to find a, a right place, you know, parents, I'm a parent, I've been, I've been in both positions, I always uh, struggle to find my, uh, my place in the family, and I know that my kids are doing the same thing, so when we are saying it each other, to each other that something's not working, we really just have to be careful. And we really need to, you know, step aside. You know, that's my mom. I hate, you know, this thing about my mom. I hate this thing about my dad. You know, we really need to step aside a little and put things in perspective. And I wish that, you know, all the family members would try to see it as objectively as possible, you know, of course it's my son, my daughter. I I remember when she were yay big, but now they have grown and they have their are um you know they have their own ideas, their they have their own um world and they have their own friends in the school, their own relationship with the teachers. We we really have to be open and listen to each other and give the benefit of doubt. You know, when when someone gets hurt, either that's parents or the um you know children, I want them to say. Okay, she said this. What did what does she really mean? Did I really do something? Or what is she going through? So sharing these needs and ideas within the family is very difficult. I want you, I, I want everybody to understand it. It's never easy. And even without the mental health needs, even without that, communicating is just hard because we When Once we don't have, um, you know, really a solid and healthy communication channel between the um, the members, things could easily be um, misinterpreted. So I want everybody to take a breather and uh, just acknowledge that, you know, the other person could be wrong, but I could be wrong as much as the other person could be wrong.
1: Sonia, did you contact anyone in order to assist you in accessing mental health care? And if so, who? So that's a good question because, so
3: in terms of trying to find therapy, uh, it is definitely a struggle. There are so many services and different companies now also just offering, you know, therapy and similar services. And of course you can Google, you can search through your insurance company, You can, you know, um, ask around, see maybe even therapists that specialize in a certain condition. But ultimately, the way that I found it was simply through grit. (laughs) It's a mixture of both. You have to also consider, you know, which actually accepts insurance because that's a huge barrier itself. Therapy is not cheap (laughs) and it adds up. And if you really want it to be effective, you do have to consistently go. And so there's so just so many considerations when you are seeking therapy. It's a matter of, I guess, your insurance, but also how willing you're able to really kind of keep up at the search itself as well. Because as I mentioned, it's definitely not easy to really, because I think as, as Alexander mentioned, people may get turned off or turned down or feel bad about not finding someone good. And maybe they try once or twice and then they think, oh, it just doesn't feel right. Or, you know, but, it, and they, they blame themselves rather than, oh, it's just not a good match. So I would just recommend really just first, I guess, searching through insurance, especially because there are just to see what's out there. And then also there are like free and low cost therapy, but I, from what I know, I think that's more of just kind of like an, perhaps correct me if I'm wrong, maybe like an entry point of like actually finding that first step. And then maybe for longer term, obviously it's not going to be something that you can keep up to do to have free or reduced therapy, but the resources are definitely out there. And I would just say to really not give up if you are feeling like it's, the search is, you know, unfruitful at times, but
2: yeah. If you both could give one piece of advice to a young adult who has a similar background or is in a similar situation as you are, or you were, and who is actively seeking mental health care, what would be one thing you would tell them?
0: I I want to tell everyone, tell yourself, no one is at fault. It's not your fault. It's not your parents fault. It's um, no one's at fault. No one is perfect. Everyone has mental issues. And you are just in the process of finding a way to process how to deal with your issues. So, you know, it's just like, like Sonia said, it's it's a, a medical treatment. You know, you get a cold, you take medicine, you, you get rest, you get better. You know, when there is a mental health care need, you find um, professional, you find help, you get better and then you go on with your life and become the best who you can be. So just try, tell yourself that this is not going to stop me from you know becoming someone I, sh- I ought to be, someone I should be. Don't let anything stop.
3: Alexandra really summed it up quite nicely. I would just add, don't let others opinions prevent you from getting the help you need.
1: Thank you. Thank you both for joining us today for this important conversation about mental health and the Asian American mental health experience. If you'd like to learn more about local resources, please visit howardcountymarylandmd.gov slash get help or asianmhc.org or our website teenhealthmonters.org. As always, if you or a loved one are in crisis, please call the Grassroots Hotline at 410-531-6677 or text HOME to 741-741. And we'll see you next time on the Teen Health Matters podcast.
0: Connect with us. We are
2: Dragon Digital Radio.